as already uh, as alluded to by Heidi before and John, um, we are in the second and final week of our series. It's called Adventure, and we're talking about how adventure is not only a good thing for our lives, but that adventure is actually a critical part of having a faith in God, and how adventure is also the actual. It's a it's a, it's a spirit behind vision that we have as a church as well. Now, considering what I shared last week about my great-great-uncle Jim. Now, you may remember me telling you the story about my great-great-uncle Jim, who was one of the four men. He's the third guy from the left, as, as you see it there. Um, he was the mechanic on the first ever plane that flew from England to Australia back in 1919 and told a little bit about the story of my great-uncle Jim last week. Um, but I wonder if that hearing that story got you started to think about who in your family did adventurous things. But in me thinking a little bit more about my Uncle Jim, I couldn't help but also thinking about, was he only adventurous because he won the air race? Was the result the thing that ultimately determined whether or not he was adventurous or not? See, what we often forget when we profile somebody who, who was the first one, the one, the people who won, the people who pioneered and great and broke ground uh, for other people to follow, we think they're the adventurous ones. They're only they're the adventurous ones. But we have to remember in this air race that my great uncle Jim won, there's so many other pilots and navigators and mechanics. But they were just as adventurous as my great uncle Jim was. They didn't win the race. But they were just as adventurous because they went and they did and they tried and they expressed within themselves the adventurous spirit, even though they didn't win the race. And they, that, they need to be equally acknowledged in we're talking about the issue of adventure. They need to be acknowledged as well. But as we've been talking about over the last couple of weeks, because we have a a diminishing view of what we think adventure actually is. Because we've got a diminishing view of what adventure is, along with many of us now thinking that we are no longer in a place to be adventurous, I wonder how many of us actually just let adventure pass us by when the opportunity presents itself. How many of us just let adventure pass us by, thinking, you know what, I'm not like that. I'm not like that anymore. I'm not, I'm, I'm not that person anymore. So I'm just going to let the opportunity to be adventurous just pass me by. And we pass by for a whole range of reasons. And we think that our reasons are legitimate. We think our reasons for letting opportunity to be adventurous pass us by. We think they're real. But the issue is, ultimately, we let the opportunity... F- of the things that God brings into our hearts just pass us by when he's asked us to do something incredible for him. But we pass us by. We let, it, let that pass us by. An incredibly famous person once wrote the most amazing words about the topic of issue of adventure. They said these words, Life is a daring adventure or it is Nothing. Now, any guesses who said that? Because I've got a nice box of chocolate here, nice comfort-inducing chocolates here. If anyone can tell me who said these words. Any ideas? 
No, it wasn't Augustine. Someone a little bit more modern than Augustine. Elon but I like the... Who? Elon Musk. Elon Musk. A little bit before Elon Musk time. We'll put this out for morning tea. Because we don't have a winner here, we're going to put it out for morning tea so people can enjoy it there. Not Elvis Presley? Mark Twain. Not Mark Twain either. Would you, be, would, would you be surprised to know that this uh, quote was said by Helen Keller? <laughs> Helen Keller, if you don't know the Helen Keller story, it is truly amazing. At the age of 19 months, she contracted an illness that caused her to go deaf and blind. Now, can you imagine being deaf and blind at the, at the later parts of the 1800s into the 1900s? This is significant um, thing to overcome. And yet, when you have a look at what she did in her life, she is truly an inspiration. Not only was she a prolific writer, but she championed and, and was an advocate for people with disabilities, for women's suffrage, as well as um, uh, labour rights. And she was the first ever deaf, blind person to achieve a bachelor's degree from university in America. This is amazing stuff. So the question is, what's your excuse? You think you've got challenges? You think you've got limitations? Try to do everything that Helen Keller did, being deaf and blind. And so she says, life is a daring adventure or it's nothing. So in other words, what she's saying, if you're not being adventurous, you're not really living. So what's our excuse? You know, if you call yourself a Christian here today, if you are a follower of Jesus, we need to be reminded of and fully understand the implications of something that the Apostle Paul said to every person in the church in Corinth, a passage that I mentioned last week. But look at the significance of the words that he writes. Paul writes, God who got you started in this spiritual adventure shares with us the life of his son. And our master, Jesus, he will never give up on you. Never forget that. See, when you came into a confessing faith in Jesus, you just didn't come into an understanding of how much God loves you. You just didn't come into a revelation of the significance of what Jesus did on the cross for you. You just didn't come into the comfort knowing that when you die, you're going to be spending eternity in heaven with God. And you just didn't come into a spiritual family with God as our Father in heaven and now all the other believers now, our brothers and sisters. That's not what you just came into. According to Paul here, you also came into a spiritual adventure. A spiritual adventure. But sadly, so sadly, very few of us are ever aware of adventure being a critical part of the faith that we profess. I mean, how many times have you given any thought to the adventure part of following Jesus? The adventure part to your faith. How much time have you given to thinking about that concept? You see, the adventure of faith is the same as adventure, any other adventure experiences you may have in your life. Because there's not simply one form of adventure. Rather, what all adventure in all its form has in common is the nature of the undertaking. 
That means that Helen Keller was just as adventurous as Anne Hillary was in climbing Mount Everest. You see, the very essence of adventure, the very definition of adventure, like I shared last week, is this. Adventure means exciting endeavours, bold and often risky undertakings, exciting uh, um, hazardous actions of uncertain outcome. That's what adventure actually means, if you looked it up. You see, having a faith in Jesus is not to lead you to having a boring, stale, even comfortable life. Just the opposite. Jesus is inviting you to adventure. And if we massage um, Helen Keller's quote for a minute, we could say something like this. Life in Jesus is a daring adventure or it's nothing. You see, having faith in Jesus is for you to have the very type of experiences that defines what adventure actually is. Now, let me just give you one example from the ministry of Jesus. And as we read part of this account, I want you to look to see if you can identify anything that Jesus says which would be seen as an exciting endeavour of an uncertain outcome or a bold or risky undertaking of uncertain outcome, even a hazardous action of uncertain outcome. See if you can see in this story, this account, if it's actually adventurous or not. So from Luke chapter 10, this is part of that story. It says... After this, the Lord Jesus appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. And he told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go, I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or bag or sandals. And do not greet anyone on the road. But rather, when you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is offered to you. Heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God has come near you. But when you enter a town and are not welcomed, go into its streets and say, even the dust of of your town we wipe from our feet as a warning to you. Yet be sure of this, the kingdom of God has come near. And the 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. Jesus replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I've given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rather rejoice that your names are written in heaven. So the first part of this story, we have to recognize that Jesus sends out 72 of his followers to towns before Jesus, as making a way for, for Jesus to come. Why? I ask the question why, because if, if you've read the gospel accounts of Jesus' ministry, you know that he also sent out the 12 disciples, the hand-chosen disciples. He sent them out to do exactly the same thing as well at other times. So why does Jesus now send out the 72? Isn't the 12 enough? The 12 who were the hand-chosen leaders of the ministry and going to be the leaders of the church... Weren't they enough to be selected and 
I'm told to go. Why the 72? See, what we have to recognise is that even though Jesus handpicked the 12, had lots of other people who put their faith in Jesus. Ordinary people. Ordinary people who just had a faith in Jesus. And Jesus said to them, I want you to go and I want you to do these things. See, the 72 are so very important to this understanding about the ministry of what Jesus wants us to do. Because ultimately he's saying there's a wider empowering going on. There's a wider releasing here of my followers to go and minister into this world rather than simply those who have chosen to be the leaders of the church. So Jesus chose the 72 to go. Ordinary people. Ordinary people who have professed a faith in Jesus. But when we read that part of the story, how many times did you see Jesus tell them you are going on the very epitome of adventure, the very definition of adventure? He just didn't choose 72 people to do something. He chose them to do something adventurous. I mean, Jesus said to, you, said to them, I'm sending into you into a situation that is plentiful. Jesus says the harvest is plentiful, like a vineyard with grapes bursting on the vines, like a field with so much wheat ready to be harvested. Now, in Jewish culture, we know that harvest time was a a great time of excitement and celebration in the Jewish culture. That's what Pentecost is all about. And Jesus said, I want you to be a part of this. I want you to go into a place that's like harvest time. And you know how good that is. Now, the 72 didn't know exactly what a spiritual harvest would actually be. But hey, I want to be a part of that, they said. So what? how exciting would it be when Jesus says, I'm sending you out into something that is plentiful, like harvest. But then Jesus also said, I'm sending you out to heal and to help people. Now... If you know some of the other gospel accounts, you know that the hand-chosen 12 disciples sometimes couldn't heal people. And these were the 12 specially chosen people who were empowered by Jesus, but sometimes they couldn't do the healing. So the 72 that's going out, sometimes they would have healed, sometimes they didn't. They didn't know what was going to happen when they came across somebody who needed healing, needed helping. But they just went anyway. See what happens. Notice there that Jesus says, don't take with you any purse or sandals. So in other words, you don't take your resources with you, your comfort and security of your resources. I don't want you to take that with you. Well, how am I going to eat? How am I going to live? What if my, my Nikes run out, wear out? What am I going to do then? They didn't know how they were going to survive. And then Jesus said, when you go into a town, you may be welcomed, you may be not. See, it's a big deal going into a town where you don't know anybody there. And you go in and proclaim the reality of the Messiah and his name is Jesus and he is here. And you go into a town to tell other Jews, particularly Pharisees and teachers of the law and scribes, that Jesus is the Messiah. What an incredibly bold proclamation to make. What a risky statement to make in a town 
that is full of, of religious people who wouldn't, may not recognize Jesus. Now, some people might actually listen to what the people said about who Jesus was, but a lot of other people, no way. And they would be chased out of those towns. They may even be arrested. They may even be flogged and tortured because of the bold proclamation of Jesus. Jesus says, I'm sending you as lambs amongst the wolves. You ever see what happens if a wolf gets in a lamb pen? It's not pretty. And Jesus says, I'm sending you out on a hazardous journey here. So by this definition, in these few verses here, what's Jesus sending the 72 out on? Adventure. And yet the 72 came back. And boy, the stories that they could tell. Some things wouldn't have worked out. Some things were hard. Some things were disappointing. Some things had some experiences where there's real opposition trying to stop them to do what Jesus wanted them to do. But other times it was better than I even imagined. Even the Spirit submitted to us in your name, Jesus. See, this is the very nature of adventure. Adventure is in the trying, it's in the doing, it's in the going, not necessarily in the results. Because the 72 didn't know how it was going to work out. But Jesus said, I want you to go on an adventure. And the funny thing is we have to remember what Paul says, that God has got us, each of us started in a spiritual adventure. No exceptions. So that means ultimately that following Jesus is an adventure because Jesus calls and sends you to be adventurous. You know, we are incredibly, we should, we should be down on our knees thanking God every single day that we live in Australia. But living in Australia in our beautiful country, our blessed country, makes us so comfortable. Because Jesus doesn't call us to be comfortable. He calls us to be adventurous. Now, last week I, I made the bold statement that the entire sweep of Scripture is about adventure. Now, Jesus sending out the 72 was not merely the first example of that. Look what happens at the very beginning of the biblical story. God talks to a guy called Abram. And many of you know this. And Abram later changed his name to Abraham. But look what God said to Abram. He said, go from your country, your people and your father's household to the land that I will show you. God said to Abram, I want you to leave the comfort of your family, of your job, of your hometown where you were born. I want you to leave your comfort and I want you to go to a place that I'll show you. I'm not going to tell you what it's like yet. And I'm going to show you on the way. But I'm not going to do that yet. You'll find all that out once you go. And I'm not telling you this, Abram, up front. I'm not telling you this. Because I don't want you to do a TripAdvisor review to work out what the quality of hotels there, what's the accommodations like. I don't want you to get access to realestate.com to see what the rents are like. I don't want you to see what all the good eating places. I don't want you to do a review of all the good schools all the good shopping centres. I don't want to tell you too much 
Because if you knew it all, you may not go at all. If you knew it all, you may not go at all. So I want you to go on an adventure with me. I want you to have faith in me, Abram. I want you to go and it will be revealed as you go. Now, these are just two examples in Scripture of adventure. But then you have Noah and the ark. That is an adventure right there. Moses before Pharaoh. David and Goliath. Jonathan and the Philistines. Jonah and the Ninevites. Next week, to coincide with International Women's Day on the 8th of of March, we're starting a brand new series next week that's called Faces, which is looking at the forms of uh, three different forms of uh, faces of biblical womanhood. We're going to be looking at three incredibly adventurous women in Scripture. We're going to be looking at Esther, Jennifer's uh, Diane's kicking us off with, with Esther, then we're looking at Ruth, and we're going to be looking at Rahab as well. Three incredible adventurous women. Adventurous women. See, most of the time, people are included in the Bible for one or two reasons. Either they do something really bad or because of their faith in God. But you notice that the heroes in in Scripture are not simply based on their faith but because what they did with their faith. And you'll notice that each of the heroes of Scripture were adventurous with their faith in God. That their faith in God was not simply something you possessed, like a big screen TV. It wasn't something you just simply had at home. They did something adventurous with the faith that they professed in God. That's what made them a hero with the faith. That's what makes all the heroes of the faith, the people who are adventurous with their faith. So if you follow Jesus, you are to be adventurous. But some people say, I'm not adventurous. That's not who I am. That's not part of my DNA. See, what is news to each of us and what we often forget in our individualistic society is this. Your faith is never individual. Your faith is communal. If you have a look at the story of God from the very beginning, faith is always to be experienced in community. And your faith is a part of something bigger than simply you. You see, when God gave us a vision as a church about our future, he gave us a vision that reflected who we are together. He didn't give us a vision about the nature of the pastor that's here. He gave us a vision based on who we are together. And can I say this, and I've shared this before, there is no other church in the world like us. And I think that's so good. Because no other church in the entire world, and there's thousands of churches, no other church is like us because no other church has this group of people in this church family with our personalities and giftings and experiences. No other church is like us. And so the vision that God has given us for our future reflects who we are together, the makeup of who this church family is. And whenever you have a group of people together, you have qualities, you have characteristics which define that type of, of who we are together as a group. Now, those qualities, that characteristic to define a group is called 
ethos. Another way to describe ethos is DNA. A DNA of a group of people. Now, if you are new to Engage in more recent times, or if you've forgotten, because I've shared this before, do you know who we are as a church? Do you know what it is that we value, what we celebrate, what we protect, what we do naturally? Do you know what those qualities are? And I've shared this before, but this is ultimately who we are together. See, engages ethos, engages DNA. Who we are as a group of people are defined by these qualities here. We are theologically orthodox. We value people. We are family. But we're about pioneering. We're about being missional and about transformation. Now, in the midst of everything that we've been talking about in this series so far, I find point four particularly interesting. Now, this list here is not something that we generated for this series. Remember, this, this list here was generated a couple of years ago when we came along and trying to understand what God is wanting to do amongst us. And this list wasn't written by the pastor. This list was written as a result of the church coming together to reflect upon who we are and who we've always been. And this is the list of qualities that you have come up with to describe who we are. So point four is really interesting. The pioneering one. What's a pioneer? A pioneer is somebody who goes and breaks new ground. Who tries new things. Even though they don't know how it's going to work out. They're going to go and do things regardless. And see how it's going to work out. That's the nature of pioneering. Pioneers are people who live with the adventurous spirit, live out the adventurous spirit because that's part of their DNA. Now remember, who we are together reflects our DNA. And who we are together are people of pioneering. So if God has called you here to be part of this church, that he's called you here because you are already adventurous or he's called you here to become the adventurous person that he created you to be. That's why he's called you here, to be adventurous because that's who we are together. You may already be adventurous and that's fantastic. Or you may be thinking, well, that's not me. No, it is you. You just don't know it yet. The spirit of adventure is within you. And God's trying to awaken that within you. To be able to say, hey, I want to go, I want to take you on adventure because that is what having faith in me is about. Following me, even though you don't know how it's going to work out. You see, our vision as a church... I won't get us to say it all together again. We've done that too many times. But our vision is to see Northwest Sydney be engaged and transformed with the faith, hope and love of Jesus. Our vision is a picture of what could be. Now, we, it's only a small expression of that at the moment, but we, we have a vision of what could be, what we want to see happen. See, for us to see God's vision come to pass... We have to be who we are. 
And who are we? Well, one of the things that we are is that we are pioneering, adventuring, adventurous, devil-stamping followers of Jesus. Yeah? That's who we are. Now, some things may work, some things may not work out. Some things when I do may create great excitement, other things will make big great disappointments. But remember, adventure is in the going, it's in the trying, it's in the being, not necessarily the result. See, that's the nature of having faith in God, the nature of adventure. Right now, and in the past couple of weeks, God is trying to get you to shake off being comfortable and saddle up for adventure, regardless of who you may now be. You may have been somebody, you may have used to be something else, somebody else. But who you are today is someone who's still to be adventurous, in the true sense of the word, adventurous. And these last few weeks have been trying to challenge the excuses that each of us have about why we're not prepared to be adventurous with God. See, God has created and called you to be adventurous because he's called you to have faith in him. You can't have faith in God and not be adventurous. And we wonder why sometimes we think, that being a follower of Jesus is boring. Perhaps our faith has become boring because we've lost what it means to be adventurous. If you're sitting in a boring faith right now and you go, well, why, why am I doing any of this? I wonder if it's because you've lost the spirit of adventure. So what are we to do with all this? How can we be adventurous right now and not simply give in to our desire to be comfortable? Well, start of being adventurous for somebody here today is actually to get up out of your comfortable seats in a few moments and come and seek prayer about what God is wanting to do in your life. When there's an opportunity for prayer, it's really comfortable just sitting in the chair. Even though the Holy Spirit may be doing something incredible in your heart, it's really comfortable just to sit there in the orange and the beautiful orange seats and go, you know what, I'm comfortable. I'm not comfortable with the, with, with the palate, but I'm comfortable with me sitting here. Com- comfort wins over the, what the Holy Spirit is doing in your heart. How many times have you let prayer pass you by? Because you feel too comfortable in your chair to get up and seek prayer. Maybe for some of us here today, the first expression of being adventurous is getting up out of our seats in a few moments' time and seeking prayer for what the Holy Spirit is doing in our hearts. For others of us, adventure is perhaps joining a connect group. Now, for some of us, we might not think that's very adventurous at all, but for some person, joining a small group where people can care and encourage you and nurture your faith, that may be the most adventurous thing that you have done in years. Because you've gotten used to, or you've always enjoyed just doing things by yourself. Joining another small group of people to be vulnerable and share life with, man, that would make me really uncomfortable. Maybe for some of us, that's exactly the adventure you need to go on right now. For others of us, the adventure is, we need to step up into that ministry that we've been making excuses about for years. 
Opportunity has come. Invitations have come and we've just passed it by because we've been making excuses all the time. And realistically, the excuses are about our comfort, not the contribution that I can make to the ministry of God into our community and beyond. Maybe that's the adventure. For some of us, the adventure is applying for that job or asking for a raise. Maybe for others of us, adventure could be speaking to that person that you're estranged from. Where you go and say, I'm sorry. Or you say, I forgive you. You know, that's an adventure. Reconciliation is an adventure. Because you never know how it's going to work out, do you? You don't know how the person's going to respond when there's estrangement there. Maybe for some of us, that's the adventure that we need to go on today. Reconciliation is a great adventure. For some of us here today, we may have only realised for the very first time, particularly for people online, you may only realise today that God is actually calling me to something greater than I understand or know of him at the moment. He's calling me, he's beckoning me to come on an adventure with him, for me to know who he is. And maybe for some of us, for the very first time, we want to start an adventure with Jesus today. But the reality is, this vision that God has for us, our, our church, it's about our community. Our vision is about Jesus and our vision is about people in our community. And for so many times, there have been opportunities, broadcast, invitations sent out saying, hey, why don't you be involved with connecting in our community? See, every time an invitation, every time an opportunity comes up within the life of our church, it's not simply to get more people involved. It's an opportunity for you to be adventurous. As we go into our community and proclaim the good news of Jesus, we don't know how it's going to work out. But there's an opportunity for you to be adventurous. Our vision is about adventure. Now, I don't know how you've seen our vision up until this point. But what we have to recognise is this. Adventure with God is actually adventure to people. You see, vision is actually an invitation to adventure because vision is a picture of what could be. But it's a picture of what could be, but we don't know how it's going to work out. So whenever you have vision, there is adventure right there with it. You can't accomplish vision without a spirit of adventure. And so for each of us here today, the vision of your church that you love being a part of is actually an invitation to be adventurous. Where you get involved in things of God that he lays on your heart that you don't know how it's going to work out. And you go, yes, please. Because I want to follow you, Lord Jesus. I want to follow you, Lord Jesus. I don't know how it's going to work out, but you do. And that's why, you, God, you are asking us, inviting us, offering us a life of adventure and following you. You see, whether or not our vision comes to pass or not, will all depend to the degree to which we let our comfort win over our adventurous spirit. 
we will not accomplish hardly anything at all, even in Jesus' name, if we're more concerned about our comfort than doing what Jesus actually wants us to do. If comfort wins, it will be at the expense of our vision. We may be different from who we used to be, but who we are now is still to be people of adventure. Because following Jesus, that's the real adventure. Who wants to saddle up for adventure? Who wants to be an adventurous person? Or who of us wants to stay in these beautiful orange chairs for the rest of our days until we're called home? I certainly do not want to sit in these chairs (laughs) until we hear the trumpets. Butt gets so numb in those chairs. Like, so why don't we stand up and say, I want to be adventurous for you, Lord Jesus, above everything else. Because that's what you're calling us to. Who wants to do that? I hope you'll join me. And I hope that you'll continue to encourage me to be more adventurous myself. Will you join me in prayer? Lord God, we thank you so much that this series, what we looked over these last few weeks, Lord God, is to really challenge us and to shake us out of our comfortable existence, Lord God. We are thankful that we live in Australia, that we live in a prosperous nation, Lord God, for the most part. And Lord, we know that um, when we often live in prosperous situations, Lord God, we become so comfortable and we lose what it truly means to follow you to deny ourselves and to take up our cross and follow you, but you continue to challenge us and call us and beckon us forward in faith in you. Lord, may we be the church that we have always been, and that is a pioneering, adventurous church. And may we together, Lord God, can always be adventurous in you. Lord, some of us are already that and are so adventurous and praise God for that. For others of us here, Lord God, others of us listening to my voice right now, we know that there's going to be challenges coming to shake us out of our comfortable existence and to be adventurous ourselves. That could take on many different forms. But nonetheless, we are prepared to be involved in exciting endeavours, bold and risky undertakings, even hazardous actions of uncertain outcomes because that's what it means to follow you in faith. Lord, I pray that there may be people right now who are prepared to get up out of their seats to acknowledge the Holy Spirit, what you've been doing in our hearts in these, today and in these weeks, and come and say, Lord God, guide me in the next steps about what you want us to do. Guide us in our next steps about how to be adventurous for you. Because we don't want to be people of comfort. We want to be people of faith and adventure in you. Lord, I pray this now. I pray that for me as much as anybody else. We pray this now in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen.